Bizarre comics have been scaring readers for years. Is there anyone brave enough to sit down with their creators? This is Discussions with Decapitated Dan. This week on Discussions with Decapitated Dan, Bo Hampton and Robert Tunnell join us to talk about their werewolf comic, Riven, and so much more. Discussions with Decapitated Dan is brought to you by CuriousGoodsAndComics.com. Don't be afraid to lose your head over all the savings. CuriousGoodsAndComics.com, where Decapitated Dan gets his books. Are you a comic book creator? Do you write, draw, color, letter, ink, edit, or do your own webcomic? If so, you're eligible to nominate for the Ghastly Awards. Go over to GhastlyAwards.com and find the nomination form and nominate for this year's Best in Horror Comics. The Ghastly Awards, honoring excellence in horror comics since 2011. GhastlyAwards.com So welcome everybody to this week's Discussions with Decapitated Dan. Joining me this week for their first time on the show, and hopefully it will not be the last, Bo Hampton and Robert Tunnell. There you go. <laughs> Guys, we always start off every show with a simple, who are you and what do you do? And I will let Bo go first. Uh, hey, uh, my name is Bo Hampton, and I am an artist and now writer. Uh, I've been working lately in horror comics for uh, Image, IDW, Comic Mix, and now Dark Horse. And um, prior to that, I spent 20 years slaving away with Marvel and DC, doing different books such as Viking Glory, um, Castle of the Bat, the Batman book, and uh, tons of other stuff. That's me. And uh, I'm Robert Tunnell. I am a filmmaker and a writer, and uh, these days I spend a lot of time gardening because it just interests me. Um, I was late to comics. I was in film first, and I know sometimes people say, well, he obviously went into comics to launch projects for film. Well, if I did, I'm an idiot because that is one slow boat. Um, I just love comics, (laughs) and I always have. And I like the immediacy of it relative to getting other works out there. It's um, I, I've been very fortunate to work with some wonderful artists, including, of course, Bo, who one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do was a book we did called Side Unseen, which I remain tremendously proud of. And um, uh, I work a lot with Neil Vokes. We're doing a, a, a series of ongoing graphic novels now called Flesh and Blood that, that are being pretty well received. Hey, you save and, that for um, the next interview, buddy. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, the great thing about film and comics is it's better than working for a living. <laughs> well, guys, we're we're here to talk about this absolutely amazing uh, trade paperback. I'm going to call it No GN because I never saw single issues of it. Riffin, so 
you know, let's just start simple. Give me the give me the quick pitch and, and what the book is about. You do it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this book uh, is about an American couple that goes to Romania in 1997 uh, after Ceausescu has left, and they adopt uh, a young Romanian girl, and they don't know, but in their wake. Uh, is left uh, all the, the the other children in the orphanage are, are have been murdered, and um, they don't know that. And they go to they go back to Vermont, and uh, so they're dealing with a, a young girl who is from Romania and ultimately has connections to a werewolf of some sort. But the only other thing I would say about it was that she does have an accident when she's 13 years old in Vermont that leaves her comatose. And while comatose, every 29 and a half days, and I figured this out exactly in accordance with the full moon, her brain waves on the monitor spike. Kaboom. <laughs> so how? Let, let's just start at the very beginning. Which one of you really came up with the idea? How did you, you know, come together to work on it? Uh, oh, no, absolutely. That was, that was me. Yeah, that was... The one thing that Bob and I have figured out is that um, what he tends to do is make ideas of mine work. I tend to have pretty good ideas to start things with, and then I kind of get lost. And I, I never have uh, – somebody used to call uh, screenwriting or any type of writing a beginning, a muddle, and an end. I never have an adequate muddle or end, but I have good beginnings. And uh, so I kind of got the ball rolling with him. And I, I met uh, Bob a couple of years ago at Philadelphia at, the, at a convention about, I guess it was, 19, it was 2005. 2004. And, uh, Oaks, was it 2004? Uh, it was 2004, Oaks, yep. uh, Yeah, he, he, uh, he introduced us, and, um, and it's been a great working relationship. That's about all I got to say about that. Okay. So uh, back then when you guys met, was that when you started throwing around the ideas for this? How long was it in the works? No, what happened, what I remember was I was, um, really, I mean, I was, I, we met and we just liked each other. It was a bunch of, that, that Philadelphia show, I remember, it's one of my favorite shows I ever went to because it was like, I don't know what's coming up the wrong way, but it's like, you weren't really, it was it didn't seem like anybody was really paying attention to the fans. It seemed like it was a show where all the creators were hanging out, talking, and going out and really enjoying ourselves. And I just remember we all were socializing quite a bit. And I just, I think that Bo and I bonded over Mario Bava. I think we talked a lot about Mario Bava, as I recall, on a lot of Italian horror. And we just, um, anytime, you know, I meet somebody that's interested in Italian horror movies from the 60s, like I am, you know, or 70s or whatever, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time. And Absolutely. I remember I, I came back home and I was in the middle of... Um, something, I don't know, it was early in my comics career, and, and uh, one night the phone rang, and Bo called me, and he said, do you think, do you think you'd like to work on something together, and, and uh, he said, I have this idea about a blind scientist who develops technology that enables him to see ghosts, and I, and I was like, wait a minute, let me open my computer, and let's go, we'll start right now, so we just kind of went at it, and what I like is that... Um, to me, what's really, really interesting, because we've become so obsessively plot-driven, and particularly, you know, the, the format of screenplays, you know, like, I'm, there's just so much that you have to do to respect the plot, or people won't even consider it, much less buy it. Um, 
when you do these sort of both certainly a heavy duty plot person or conceptualist rather, but then it gives it gives you a lot of opportunity to create some interesting characters who have these problems and and that's what horror does really well. I think it allows it allows us to sort of metaphorically explore other conditions and not to sound highfalutin, you know, but like a society or people or whatever um, by putting them in these kind of extreme situations. So. I, I think that if there's one constant through the three books we've done together, ha- has been character. Well, that's something that's good to have in books, isn't it? <laughs> I think well, so. Well, Bob, Bob himself is a character, <laughs> and that's what drives all the character writing in in the book. Uh, what one thing that Dark Horse has on their site that it says this is in the vein of uh, Hammer horror films, and and Robert, you and I have been going back and forth via email talking about this. Um, so can you kind of explain to the people out there listening who are Hammer Horror fans why this works for them? And and then, you know, on the other side, if you don't know Hammer Horror, why this would work for them as well? Well, I'm going to be honest, and both discussed this. We're not quite sure why Dark Horse said that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't see it unless it... I, well, I'll take it back. There's a couple of obscure um, hammer horrors like Demons of the Mind, perhaps, or Hands of the Ripper, that somewhat early 70s hammer, I suppose. Hammer being the, the very famous and now resurrected and doing quite well British horror movie studio, or studio that specialized in horror, particularly under the guidance of a director named Terrence Fisher. And I did a lot of marvelous films with Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee. Huge influence on myself, and I, and I would venture to say Bo as well. But in, I think, really, I, I speaking for myself because I, I won't. Not, I would have both say it. I honestly, in Riven, I, I'm as much probably in, in inspired from a comics perspective by Terry Moore, and from a, a, a horror film perspective, I would think more Euro horrors. You know, whether it would be. Bob or Argento or uh, or uh, even um, you know Desorio or something you know like Tomb of the Blind Dead or something. And certain, I think we visually kind of naturally when we work together gravitate that way. But story wise, as much as anything, I think somebody like an author like Peter Straub or Robert McCammon, I think would be an influence. Yeah, yeah, definitely McCammon for sure. No, um, so Mike, my- but I don't know because Dark Dark Horse has done an awesome job on getting this book out and get making everything, making the trains run on time. That's my only thing is like, you know, why do they keep saying this is hammer? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, Bob has like many other things that he's done that are a lot closer to that, uh, than, than, than what that book is. Right. Right. I must say. Yeah. And we're going to cover that on an upcoming yeah. podcast. Like I've already foreshadowed. <laughs> <laughs> Neil does know, just so we're all clear on that. But uh, no, my my why? Um, let, let's ask this: Why werewolves? Uh, obviously, you know, the zombie thing at this point is is getting to the edge. The vampire thing is getting to the edge. What, did you always want to tell a werewolf tale? I wanted. I did because uh, I mean, Bob's done this all of this stuff off and on over the years, but I had never completed the the Universal Triptych, which is you know the uh, Frankenstein, uh, Dracula, Wolfman. I I, I did. Uh, Hello? Hello? Hey, hey. Oh, okay. Uh, so can you hear me? You're uh, good. 
Does yeah. that thing work? <laughs> All right. Uh, it's awfully quiet out there. Um, but no, I, I had never done a, a werewolf book. I had done Batman Castle of the Bat, which was, oddly enough, a Frankenstein, a take on the Frankenstein monster. And I had done a book called Bertilac, which is uh, an NBM graphic novel that was based on Mario Baba's uh, old uh, Boris Karloff movie, uh, Black Sabbath, one of the stories in that. And that was called Bertilac, and that was my vampire thing. And then I just had never had an opportunity to do anything with a werewolf at all. And I wanted to come up with something because I wanted to draw a werewolf that, that was kind of semi-based semi on the old uh, Frazetta... Angelo Torres' creepy werewolves, kind of mixed with uh, uh, American Werewolf in London and and uh, and other stuff, and, and and really come up with a cool looking werewolf, uh, which is the hardest thing to do because it's been done over and over so many times and it's very difficult. But but yeah, it, it, I figured if I could come up with a design that was something that I didn't mind drawing for 196 pages, uh, that it that it might work. And uh, and so far the fan response to that has been tremendous. Uh, to the look of it, and, and for those that have read it, most of them didn't like it a lot as well. So I've been lucky in that way, and uh, and I'll let you uh, ask okay. another question. Uh, one thing that I had commented on before talking to you in my review on the book was that uh, the, the watercolor look to it, and you and you had mentioned that uh -huh. it's not watercolor. So can you kind of explain that? Yeah, uh, what it is is uh, my brother Scott, who's also an, a comic book artist, and I, he had grown up uh, working with washes years ago before Turner um, Television started colorizing old movies. You may remember that in the, in the, I guess it was late 70s when he started doing that, but what, what would happen was the films would be, uh, if they were shot in black and white, would then be colorized. So you would see, see the gray values still underneath the color. And he started doing some of that, and then I started playing with it, uh, and and I then I forgot about it for many years. And then and when I started doing uh, comics, uh, painted comics, I started trying to figure out ways that I could you know integrate that underneath it. But it never came to uh, to the fore until until I talked to Mark Wheatley and a couple of other people and my brother Scott. And I figured out that you could change the gray value to be a little bit warmer, a little bit cooler, and then put while it was in Photoshop, and then put the color on top of that, so it didn't look like it was just totally gray. Because when it was totally great, it looked kind of like the colorized films that the Turner Network did, which I never really liked because it was like gray. It was just muted color. It didn't really seem to work. There was too much gray underneath. But this kind of works because it, it gives it more of a mood. It's a little bit of a warm gray or a cool gray, depending on whether it's night or day. And, I, and then I can work on okay. top of that. Very cool. Um, one thing that I, I like to do on the show is have on self-publishing guys and, and stuff like that. Was so my question to you guys is, was this always intended for Dark Horse, or was it something that you shopped around for a while? Can you kind of walk us through the process of what you went through? I get, Yeah, Bob, you can jump in any time you want, but I, I basically showed it to anybody and everybody I could think of. And I'm not sure exactly who we had it out to at that time, but, but there were a couple of places that we... Well, we took it to Comic Mix first because my gold, a uh, good friend in, at ComicMix.com uh, had had done Demons of Sure with, with Bob and I and had, had paid us well and it, it was a really good good time that we all had together. But um, he, he, for some reason, uh, he was unable to, to pull that together for us. So we we, uh, we went to a couple of other people and fortunately uh, Richardson responded okay. very well to it. That's the way. I just seem like it came together really quickly. Not not writing it. That took forever. 
but, but actually knowing that we were supposed to do it, it happened pretty quickly. Hey, Bob, Bob, um, is it finished? Are you are you saying we've that? actually finished writing it? <laughs> Man, I hope so. I gotta tell you, don't, don't I would get me. no. I would get. I would get. I would get like. No, he would like go off, and I would like it'd be like six weeks, and I wouldn't have to do anything, and he'd be like, because he had all this like math worked out with the moon and everything, and I'm just, you know, I I, I didn't, I would, he would have to pull me back into the story, and he'd have to be real patient. He go, no, <laughs> she can't have this. I go, I'd be like, oh, look, this is going to be this really cool scene that I came up with, and and eventually I just surrendered and said, just tell me what happens here. Because I'm trying to write this, you know, trying to do this or that. And what I wanted, you know, you asked earlier, though, what was the attraction for it. And I actually want to say that there were three things that that really motivated me to want to do it. And one was when I was a little kid. Um, some people listening may or may not know, but um, I did a, a, a graphic novel. It was, a, it was an online comic, and it was, it was collected at Alex Savic and had this drew called Pizza Seven Fishes. And there's a character in it who's this little old Italian great-grandmother based on my little old Italian great-grandmother. And she told me stories when I was a kid about, you know, seeing a werewolf in, in Italy. And, and she told me, she said, but it's, you know, it's a wolf all the time. I mean, I think she saw a lycanthrope. Um, she said, you know, turn it to full moon, he's always a wolf. And so, I, you know, that kind of stuck with me, that there could be some sort of truth to it, you know, some sort of uh, not necessarily, you know, biological aspect to it. So that was, a, that was I- intriguing to me. Two, um, you know, it is very difficult to genuinely scare people with a comic book. I mean, you can get them tense, you, can, you know, to really actually deliver some scares. And, and it seemed to me that because werewolves, werewolves are hunters, they stalked their prey, that we, we had an opportunity. And, in fact, one of my favorite things that I've ever gotten to work on in a comic is a, a big sequence on a ship um, where a werewolf gets loose on a boat uh, in this. I mean, I just, it was, and I, to me, when I look at it, it actually, I, it, it, it kind of freaks me out because he's, he's always coming. And I, Bo did an absolute, it was amazing. Like, uh, when we were working on the script, I had something in my mind, and then, you know, he went away, and when he came back, it was precisely what, what I thought it was going to be. But the third thing, reason that I really wanted to do it, was I wanted to see him draw werewolves. And I told my wife, we were watching um, the new Planet of the Apes movie with James Franco, which I absolutely love, but there's that moment, the way mm-hmm. they, they make the apes' eyes intelligent looking, right? And that's what I love about these werewolves, in, in the book, the way Bo did, did them, I mean, they're monsters, they're big, huge, they're werewolves, but, and yet they're human. There's something in their eyes that, that is human, and it just makes it more, <laughs> you know, as the young people would say, one thing, one thing that I really, really think you guys just absolutely nailed right on the head is the fact that, to me, this was very cinematic. Uh, what I mean by that, I, you know, is that it, typically all the comics I read and stuff like that, it works in comic form. When I was done with this, I woke up the next morning and I was like, where's that DVD? Beca- because I, w- I want to watch that again. And and it's so <laughs> it, it, it's so rare for something that you read to come across that way, but you guys completely just nailed this. And I, I hope that everyone out there listening, 
understands that, and that just drives them to go check this out because I, you guys, I, that's just a big compliment. No question here. Just a big compliment on that. Well, you know, there's two well, things. I think I, one, <laughs> one is that Bob uh, is trying to interrupt me all the time, and, and I hate that. But the other thing is <laughs> that, uh, that Bob, uh, he introduced me to comic book writers who, who are also good screenwriters. And, and, and so he influenced me very directly in that way. But also I had the influence of having worked as a storyboard artist for Extreme Ghostbusters, the TV show, the cartoon show, like uh, eight years ago. I did about three episodes of that, and it got me thinking about camera turns and, and, and literally break, like, as Bob and I call it, uh, deconstructing a scene. So it comes down to like, like decompressing, like the time itself, you're allowing the time to play out. And any moment that needs to be played out, any horror moment where suspense has to be built up, we, because it's a 200-page book, we had the luxury of, of stretching those moments out. And because I had done storyboards, I was able to, to kind of pull it off. Well, actually, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that it is because it is such a long book. Because we yeah, can take yeah. it, you know, and it's difficult. I mean, although that being said, you know, I'm a, I'm a really boring, you know, interview subject because it'll always go back for me to one book, which is Tomb of Dracula, which was which is, you know, if I could only have one influence on my life, I mean, it may well be the, you know, pivotal influence. And... They do get away with things, but it was more shocking. They weren't really building tense. It was more like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Like, I think it's in issue 33 where Dracula flings, you know, Quincy's granddaughter's ashes in his face or something. You know, and you're like, oh, my God, they didn't really just do that. But what I like, what I, we do, we, we try to walk a line between decompressing so that we can allow things to breathe and scare people. But I'll say, you know, I want to read a comic too. I want I want people to talk. I want things to happen. Um, I don't want to see nine panels and not much. Not not at these prices, quite honestly. And so we we somehow were you know we, we're somehow able to 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 achieve. If we have a strength, I think that is a strength, and I'm pleased with it because there, it is. I think Riven's a pretty dense read. Um, I mean, I wanted, I, I wanted it to be, and without covering up Bo's art, and I can't do sure, that. Sure. Now you touched on uh, two Dracula's. Let's let's change the you know the tables here, and let's kind of talk about what got you guys into horror comics to begin. It doesn't have to be horror comics, but that's what the show's about, you know. But what got you into comics? Um, what got me into comics uh, was basically I drew a character when I was about four or five years old called Super Nonaki. Now, Super Nonaki was probably some sort of an Eskimo woman um, <laughs> in a Superman suit. I drew her on the back of an envelope. I mean, I'm four or five years old. I drew her on the back of an envelope because we really couldn't even afford good paper at that time. I was drawing on the backs of all sorts of weird stuff. And, and I would find this much later and, and, and think, you know, that's just absolutely hideous. And, and uh, she had a huge head. It looked like a, like a penguin head and uh, the cape and everything else. And then there was World's Finest. And I would put Super Donaki as a Superman character and I would do my version of Batman and Robin on the other side. And there were, I, I think somebody needs to do a coffee table book of artists kid drawings, you know, because, and the other thing I was so influenced by was Tarzan, the Tarzan coloring books, because they were drawn by the same guy, the guy that, that, that is so well regarded, the Italian, I think his last name is Junta, or something like that, and he's, uh, 
it just I thought they were hideous. I, I hated his style, but but I loved the actual idea of Tarzan in a coloring book, so I would copy them. And uh, and that's the earliest influence. Then there was Hercules Unchained and all that stuff, and I just had to draw all of that. And I copied everything till I was about maybe 10 or 11 years old, and then I started drawing on my own. But, you know, that's the way you get, I got into comics purely from a love of, of drawing fantasy subject matter, you know, wherever I could find it. I, I don't know. I, my first comic, I couldn't even read yet. I, I still own it. The cover's long gone, but it's uh, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool. He, like, went to the Lost World, and there were dinosaurs and things. You know, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And But early on, you know, I started getting, like, House of Mystery and House of Secrets. and then. But I remember I was at summer camp, and I woke up early, and all the other kids were asleep. And I was kind of just stumbling around because I just couldn't go back to sleep. And I found uh, Dracula Lives, maybe number two, I think. And I just <laughs> lost my mind. And that was it. And it just, you know, there was a perfect storm, you know, back in the 70s. There was a perfect storm of, it just seemed you were, you know, between the Dan Curtis stuff on TV, you know, from, from well, Dark Shadows was kind of fading out, but, you know, his Dracula, and, and you had, you know, Planet of the Apes, and you had the, all these efforts to kind of bring back Star Trek and, and you had, you know, just all this neat hammer was still sort of going and there was just so much going on and there's so many influences and um, I the Tomb of Dracula was a, you know, I, I discovered it, I think about issue six. Um, loved all those big Roy Thomas, you know, just <laughs> lengthy speeches. <laughs> but, but I thought they, they're lengthy, but I loved them and I still love them. Um, I loved everything about the book. So. Do you guys read anything now? Maybe not heralding Harold, new coming out that you're that. enjoying. If I said yes, I'd be a liar, and I yeah, I, I do make comics. But, but, I mean, if, there's out, a, but a, if there's anything yeah, out that you're, that you're reading, you free to I say it. I don't care. I like I, I love The Walking Dead, and I love The Goon. Um, it's way too long between drinks of water, but I, as a not-to-be-named famous comic person recently said to me, how the hell can I read comics, man? I barely have enough time to create them. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. I'm not getting that's a chance to read anything. It's making me sick. I miss yeah, it. I, 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 miss I really it. don't keep up with comics at all. Um, and, you know, in a way, it's like the stodgy old man... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> grumpy old guy that just won't read any of the new kids' stuff. And then I guess there is some of that in there, you know. But uh, if something were to appeal to me, I, I hope I'm open-minded enough to to, uh, to get into it. I kind of got like I was reading something today in the and, – and this was something I never do, but I picked up a copy of Dark Horse Presents because it's got, you know, one of the episodes of, of Riven in it. And, and, of course, it's all about me. And, uh, and I'm checking my story out. But then there was one after it. Uh, it was called Buddy Cops that I absolutely love. It, it's very, very kind of quirky, uh, funny, sci-fi, you know, just they're absolutely having a ball with it. And uh, and I really enjoyed that. So there's probably a lot of good stuff that I'm just missing. Because I'm well, I, I'd like to, I want to catch up with Rex Mundy that they're running because I loved it before when, Arvid, when I used to see him at shows and I liked what he was doing with it and I think it looks really, really cool. Um, yeah, that does look good. Yeah, they did a good job it, of that. It is, it's, it's really cool. 
Um, it's just like, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I know my friends aren't reading my books either. They're just, they're just trying to get to, I love, I love, I love Mikey. I mean, he doesn't know what I'm doing. And I saw, I was like, hey, Mike's got a new story in there. I'm going to read that someday. I mean, I hate that I don't even, I haven't, I couldn't tell you the last time I looked at Powers, and I loved Powers. I do. You know, it's, I have this huge advantage over Bob in the sense that, even though I do right now, and I, and I co-wrote Ribbon with Bob, uh, I've always been an artist, and I right. can take stuff and show it to somebody, and you get an immediate visceral reaction to it. If Bob sends me Sacrifice, which is a great <laughs> screenplay that he wrote, it might take me three months to read it. Eventually, I will read it because it's Bob, and he's not pressuring me, and, I, and there's no reason I have to read it other than the fact that I want to read it, and I will get to it. But, you know, right. he doesn't have the luxury right. of just being able to stick it in somebody's face. No, that's what that's what people people like, go, man, you're not doing very many cons this year. And I was like, hey, you know, the artists, they can sell original art. They can do sketches. Nobody's going to come up and go like, hey, Bob, I'll give you $75 to give me an original page of ribbon. If you just write, no, I don't see it happening. You know? And, uh, you, you need know, to and write, last time I write checked, original prose. You've got to write prose. I'm telling you. Just write a paragraph. So, the last, the last time I, I went, checked, the writer felt going to break on the hotel room, you know? <laughs> where so. a guy was charging $5 for, and he would take uh, three things that you liked, and he would write a one-page story for 5 bucks. So, so there you go. <laughs> that's awesome. What? That is, that's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would do that if it was like one thing, always, Go ahead. <laughs> Only because I'm one thing that I always I'm fat. Only because I'm fat. <laughs> one thing I always ask I'm fat. You're just you're chunky. You're not you know. All right, I'm going to put you guys both on the spot. Because one yourself. thing we always ask here on the show <laughs> is for you to tell us the most horrific thing that's ever happened to you at a convention. <laughs> oh my god. Go, go, Bob, go. Yeah. The most horrific thing that's ever happened to me at a convention? God, I always have a (laughs) really good time. I mean, because I'm rarely sober, so... uh, I... You know, I... um, (laughs) one 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 time I was with Dave Sim... And we got really drunk, and we we uh, spent the night haranguing everybody in the hotel. I was acting like a four-year-old. Uh, Davidson was an experienced four-year-old, and he was taking me out, and I was just you know cutting loose. And and I, I we wound up somewhere in, late in the night, and a girl offered her body to be drawn upon, and you know it was me and four or five other guys up in some hotel room, and we had markers, and we would draw on her, and uh. And Dave, of course, just went right for the, you know, the bust area and just had a good time drawing service or whatever. And I remember <laughs> that I, I totally just went out and went for the ankle and put a Nicobot crane on there. <laughs> it, it wasn't even a horseman. It was Nicobot. You know, I was just like, you know, I, I finally thought of something and there's no way I can top it. I just come off looking like a total wimp. So I, I, I was still really short. I... I was at Comic-Con a couple of years ago, and my brother and I, and I don't remember who all we were with, but we were invited to some 
you know, now they got a million parties where all these agents come and tell you how you're a genius and they're going to do all this stuff and you never hear from them again. And we went to some rooftop party someplace and I was with a party of people and one guy introduced himself as Mike. I don't think much about it. You know, he's a real nice guy and we're just kind of talking. You know. We get up on top and I, I have a fear of heights. I mean, I've tried rock climbing to get over it, whatever. It's not rational. It's just my thing. In this place, I just kept feeling like I was going to get sucked over the edge and drop like 30 stories. I, was re- I just was filled with anxiety. And the guy's talking to me, very nice guy talking to me. And all of a sudden I looked at him and I went, oh, my God, you're my king. <laughs> he goes, you know who I am? I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, I agree. But I, had to, but I had to leave the party because I was convinced that I was going to get sucked over the edge of the balcony and plummet to my death. And I should have stayed there and just talked to him, you know. It was like this amazing right. moment, and I couldn't Well, take now you it. know, just so you moment. know, now you're prepared for when you and Neil come on, and we bring that up. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, but I'm going to have to tell that story. <laughs> speaking of shows, you guys got anything coming up? October, right, Bo? We're both going to be in the brand new West Virginia Pop Culture Con, which is going to be pretty cool, pretty homegrown, very interactive, a lot of panels where we're going to be talking about how to write comics, how to how to develop horror stories, I think, how to end office and filmmaking panels, and it's just, you know, it's just it's going to be a nice little show. I said Billy Tucci, um, I guess, is now coming, our, our good buddy J.C. Vaughn, Neil will be there, Mark Wheatley will be there. Yeah, I think it's going to be October 6th. Okay. Morgantown, West Virginia. Yep. Okay. Morgantown, West Virginia. I think it's the 6th through the 8th. Um, John Hayes is a tremendous uh, retailer in West Virginia. Um, He has, um, used to be a store, a store called Comics Paradise Plus. It's a great store, and he, um, this guy just gets it. He loves comics, and he, um, just, cool. I don't know. There's, Very there's cool. magic about any, it. Any uh, other signings or any other shows you got for the rest of the year? <laughs> well, John's a leprechaun, and that's why there's a magic about him. <laughs> um, I, I, after that show, I honest, I swear, Dan, I have to direct, I kid you not, I'm, I mean, I have like 14 different productions I have to complete before Thanksgiving because I direct commercials, I do things, and I'm, I'm actually, we're in production on a, a new horror okay. movie that starts, that I can't talk about, that starts next week. It's a real movie, not, not sure. a bunch of kids with a camcorder, and I've, I've got to see that through, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I don't get to go anywhere. Nobody wants to see me anyway. They want to see Bo. They don't want to see me. There's no interest in me whatsoever. Oh, look, he's in watercolor. Well, and you know what? Maybe I'm writing a story in watercolors. How about that, Dan? There's a flash for you. I'm, I write these stories in watercolor. Bo got the watercoloring idea from me. <laughs> you write them in blood. How about you, Bo? You got anything else coming up? Yeah. Uh, um, oh, actually, I'm, I'm going to... It looks like I have a reasonable shot at being in... Austin, uh, the Wizard World Show, which is October 28th uh, and 29th. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to that. I have to wait and see, but uh, in a day or two, I'll the reason that, that the reason that Bo's non-committal is because he has to wait for his daughters <laughs> to say whether or not he can use the internet this week. 
Yeah, I bought her a laptop, and I think I'm going to take it with me. I'm going to put my Photoshop on it and just, uh, you know, because uh, I'm but do trying you want to this record in here, buddy? That has a, like a droid phone and a Do you want this on the record? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> hey, oh, I can tell you something about Facebook. You know what I want on the record? I want on the record how I had to explain to my 15-year-old when she's like, Dad, uh, why are those girls kissing each other in the vampire book? Right. <laughs> yeah, I want I want your explanation of that on the record right here, right now. You know why? Because sometimes when two people really love each other, I don't know what to say. All right, all right. Let's wrap it up. It's all about emotion. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, website That's it. or anything where people can go check out who you are and what you do. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, they can go to my production company website, AlleghenyImageFactory.com. That's pretty much where I'm putting up most stuff right now. You know, Bo, we need to do something about that. I feel really stupid at the moment, so. I know. I, I can be uh, uh, Facebooked with uh, BoHamptonArtist.com, and that way they can see a lot of the production art for Riven. Uh, I did a lot of stuff where I would uh, put up pages from the pencil stage through the gray tone stage through the very color cool, stage. Very cool. um, and if anybody done. out there wants so to check out Riven, if you want your comic book shop to order it, just go in there. And the nice thing, since it is collected, is you can just tell them the code APR120030, and they can still order it for you. You can probably go to Amazon and pick it up for Dark Horse or TFAW and, and you can easily grab a copy. Guys, I, I have to say, you know what, thank you so much for, for doing this show. Everyone out there, this book is beyond fantastic. It It is something that needs to be on your shelves. It's something you definitely have to read. And I I hope there's a sequel. I hope, you know, if, even if there's not a sequel, the next book you two work on, we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show. It sounds great. I we're gonna bring. I, I'd love, we're we're gonna bring back Reed Fleming, world's toughest milkman. That's our next. I'm kidding. Sorry. Who are you to wave your finger? You must have been out your head. I hold deep in muddy waters. You're practically raging.